download that and listen uh, to the very good job he did last week on Psalm 23. I want to invite you now to open your Bible to Revelation chapter 8. Revelation chapter 8, we, uh, specifically verse 6, we started this two weeks ago. Uh, this is the third time, uh, the third cycle, the third section in the book of Revelation. Uh, we saw the seven churches, we saw the seven seals, and now the seven trumpets. John goes back to cover the same period of time uh, for a total of seven times through this book. And I encourage you to read the book and, and you'll see these cycles always coming back to the day of the Lord. Brings that up again and again. Well, we began this, just really stuck our toe in this section last, two weeks ago rather, and we want to continue exploring the seven trumpet judgments that the Lord sends on the earth. So let's read this portion of God's Word. You know, I meant to change that slide. That's terrible, isn't it? Trumpeting. Yeah. Um, so my apologies to you obsessive compulsives today. I, that's going to bother me all day long. I just know it. Anyway. Revelation chapter 8, verses 6 through 12. Hear the word of the Lord. Now the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. The first angel blew his trumpet, and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood, and these were thrown upon the earth. And a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all green grass was burned up. The second angel blew his trumpet, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. A third, the third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became wormwood, and many people died from the water because it had been made bitter. The fourth angel blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of their light might be darkened, and a third of the day might be kept from shining, and likewise a third of the night. This is God's holy and inerrant and authoritative word. Let's ask him to help us now as we look into this uh, tricky section of his work. Father, we do plead for help. Uh, this uh, uh, passage full of symbols, and, and we just ask that you'd give us clarity through your spirit this morning as we look into these things. Help me, Lord, to have clarity in mind and, and give us understanding through your spirit today that we could grasp and apply this truth to our lives today. Jesus, we pray this in your precious name. Amen. In his uh, definitive biography on Winston Churchill, William Manchester writes this, Winston Churchill, his wary eye fixed on Adolf Hitler, was a lone voice in the years preceding World War II. He continually warned his nation and the world of the impending disasters about to befall Europe but few listened. In 1936, 
He embarked on a strenuous campaign to awaken England with his cries of alarm. In one article published in the most prominent newspapers of 14 countries, he warned that the peoples of Europe were chattering, busy, sporting, toiling, amused from day to day by headlines and from night to night by cinemas, slipping, sinking, rolling backward to the age when the earth was void and darkness moved upon the face of the waters. Surely, Churchill argued, it is worth a supreme effort to control the hideous drift of events and arrest calamity on the threshold. Churchill pled, stop it, stop it, stop it. Now is the appointed time. Few listened. And in a few short years, just as Churchill had warned, war was unleashed upon the continent of Europe. Well, the trumpet judgments in this section of Revelation are similar to the warnings made by Winston Churchill. Through these trumpets, we hear God warning the world, stop it, stop it, stop it. Not once, not twice, but for a total of seven times. Stop it. Turn from your sin. Look to Christ. Escape what's coming. But few listen. God's warning signals are repeatedly and stubbornly ignored by the unbelieving world. Our goal this morning is to hear and understand the nature of these warnings uh, by looking at the first four trumpets. The first four trumpets form a group, much like the first four seals formed a group. And we want to understand the nature of these warnings by examining these first four trumpets. What do they bring? Well, last Sunday we looked at the preparation uh, of the trumpets. Verse 6 in your Bible says, Now the seven angels who had seven trumpets prepared to blow them. I suggested that just as these angels prepared to blow their trumpets, you and I needed preparation to hear them sounded. We looked at uh, their background. We saw that the language of the trumpets was drawn heavily from the language of the Old Testament. We looked at their target. And we saw that the target of the trumpet judgments is all those who have never put their faith in the atoning death of Christ. We looked at their purpose. Uh, The trumpets are warnings. They reveal that God is merciful, that there is still time to turn from sin and trust in Christ's payment for sin on the cross. And we looked at their nature uh, finally last week. The trumpets have literal elements to them, but they are also highly symbolic. And we want to be aware of this as we proceed. This was our preparation to hear the trumpets, the groundwork, the foundation before we move forward. But having prepared uh, to hear them, we want to move on to the sounding of the trumpets. Today we want to hear the trumpets sounded and understanding the, understand the nature of these warnings What do these trumpets contain? Uh, This is a comment by Dr. Joel Beakey from Puritan 
Reformed Seminary in Michigan, he said, he, describing these first four, he says, these judgments include economic, ecological, industrial, and physical disasters upon the earth. I would add to that spiritual as well. These trumpets symbolize natural and political disasters throughout this age that display God's sovereignty over creation, supremacy over man's idols, and wrath against sin. The first trumpet that we hear brings increasing famine. The first trumpet warns the world that God's judgment is approaching. And he does this by affecting a third of the earth's food supply. Look with me at verse 7. The first angel blew his trumpet, and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood. And these were thrown upon the earth seems to describe a, a very powerful thunderstorm or hailstorm. The fire mentioned here is most likely lightning, uh, thunder and lightning uh, that accompanies a severe storm. The, it's, it's very similar to what we read just moments ago uh, in our scripture reading. In Exodus 9, we read uh, these words, Then Moses stretched out his staff toward heaven, and the Lord sent thunder and hail and fire, ran down to the earth, and the Lord rained hail upon the land of Egypt. There was hail and fire flashing continually in the midst of the hail, very heavy hail, such as had never been in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. Verse 7 sounds remarkably similar to Exodus chapter 9. Uh, John goes on to say here that this thunderstorm is mixed with blood there in that first phrase of verse 7. That might refer to the color of the lightning, but it more likely refers to the effect of the storm on humans and animals. Mixed with blood could refer to bloodshed. This was the effect on Egypt uh, Exodus 9 again, the hail struck down everything that was in the field, uh, in all the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And then note the, the devastation that this uh, disaster produces as we go on in the second half of verse 7. And a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all green grass was burned up. The effect of this judgment is widespread devastation on the earth's food supply. The, the trees mentioned here are fruit trees. Uh, the area where the seven churches were located were highly dependent on, on olive trees, fig trees, and grapevines. The grass that's burned up is, is a reference to a third of all vegetation. Crops in the field will be destroyed by this natural disaster. This again is just what happened in Egypt. Let me point out another reference. Uh, and the hail struck down every plant of the field and broke every tree of the field. The flax and the barley were struck down for the barley was in the ear and the flax was in the bud. But now as we see this judgment poured out, don't fail to overlook the mercy of God. That is not really the first thing that we're drawn to, but I remind you the mercy of God is woven throughout this. Only a third of the food supply is affected. 
Uh, that's not a precise calculation of volume and weight. It's not a th in terms of metric tons of crops. It's, it's just a way to indicate that God's judgment is limited. God's judgment is restrained. So throughout these last days that we live in, we can expect powerful storms and natural disasters that bring widespread devastation on the world's food supply. The first trumpet brings increasing famine. God's judgment, uh, he warns his judgment is approaching uh, by impacting a third of the earth's food supply. And we hear the second trumpet. The second trumpet brings increasing upheaval. The second trumpet calls uh, unbelievers to repent through the instability and insecurity that takes place uh, throughout the world. This second trumpet brings upheaval in three areas. Now, first, there's unheaval in the natural world. We've already seen that occur in the first trumpet, but it takes place again here as well. Brings instability to the, the natural world. Notice verse 8. The second angel blew his trumpet, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea. That resembles uh, the effect of a volcano, perhaps. About 20 years before John wrote these words, uh, Mount Vesuvius uh, erupted in Italy, destroyed the city of Pompeii, rather well known, and news of that eruption would have traveled to John. He was aware of that. John on the island of Patmos would have been familiar with volcanic activity in the Aegean Sea uh, around that area. So it's possible this could refer to something like a volcano. Take note of one of the most important words in verse 8. The second angel blew his trumpet and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea. Look at the effects of, of this disaster as verse 8 continues. And a third of the sea became blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died. This uh, um, is remarkably similar to the first plague in Egypt. Let me remind you of that one as I read this from Exodus 7. Moses and Aaron did as the Lord commanded. In the sight of Pharaoh, in the sight of his servants, he lifted up the staff and struck the water in the Nile, and all the water in the Nile turned into blood. And the fish in the Nile died, and the Nile stank, so that the Egyptians could not drink water from the Nile. There was blood throughout all the land of Egypt. Of course, the difference is this affects water, the sea, throughout the world. A third of the sea and sea life. So again, we see the natural world affected. There's instability and upheaval in the world of nature as the result of this second trumpet. And again, this is something that we already see uh, through hurricanes and typhoons and tsunamis and tropical storms. We, we see this form of judgment on a regular basis in this age. And throughout this age, we can count on seeing this kind of instability. God's Word says in Romans 8, says, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. This represents that groaning. 
It's more than just the natural world. John probably has something else in mind, or at least the Holy Spirit does, uh, breathing this through John. Not only the natural world is affected by the second trumpet, the political world is affected as well. Uh, this trumpet also brings instability to the governments and nations of the world. Now, where do we see that? How is that represented uh, in this verse? Look at verse 8 again and, and note the mountain. The second angel blew his trumpet and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea. Uh, throughout the Old Testament, mountains often refer to kingdoms. Uh, listen to this passage that describes uh, King Cyrus and his steamroller across the ancient world, uh, writing in uh, Isaiah 41, Behold, I make of you, Cyrus, a threshing sledge, new and sharp, and having teeth, you shall thresh the mountains and crush them, and you shall make the hills like chaff. Of course, Cyrus didn't actually reduce mountains, but he swept nation after nation out of his way as he uh, came across uh, the world. Leveled kingdoms and fortified cities that stood in his way. Consider this reference to mountains from these familiar words. Uh, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. The, the setting of Psalm 46 is most likely that the kingdom of Assyria is parked on the doorstep of the city of Jerusalem. It's mentioned in Isaiah 37, 38, I believe, uh, and this describes the way that nations crumbled before the king of Assyria as he came through the land of Palestine and, and uh, swept away the 40 fortified cities and came to, to knock on Hezekiah's door, uh, the door of Jerusalem, figuratively speaking. Uh, this is most likely referring to the Assyrian Empire. There's one more reference to a mountain. There are, there are several. But this one in particular, I want to listen. I want you to hear. Uh, this is uh, from the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 51. I think it's too long to put on a slide. Yes, I thought so. Uh, but listen to the reference to the mountain. I will repay Babylon and all the inhabitants of Chaldea before your very eyes for all the evil they have done in Zion, declares the Lord. Behold, I am against you, O destroying mountain, declares the Lord, which destroys the whole earth. I will stretch out my hand against you and roll you down from the crags and make you a burnt mountain. The sea has come up on Babylon. She is covered with its tumultuous waves. And, and look at verse 8. The second angel blew his trumpet and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea. John seems to have this very passage from Jeremiah 51 in mind as he writes these words. And uh, so uh, this 
might refer to uh, upheaval in Babylon, as we'll read later in the book, but at the very least, it's upheaval, instability, and insecurity in the political world, uh, the governments of the world. And again, throughout this age, we can expect to see this kind of upheaval, and we do, don't we? Nation rises against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Uh, just re most recently, uh, we've seen this through the military coup that took place in the country of Myanmar. You might not have not have thought of that as, as an example of one of God's judgments. I refer you back to an event that took place just a little before that. It was, it was called an election that took place in this country. And consider the, the, the tremendous upheaval and instability that took place uh, in our very own government. There are countless examples of this political upheaval throughout this age. And so we see the political world affected by this second trumpet. But there's one more area that this trumpet affects, and that's uh, the economic world. Uh, the trumpet brings instability and insecurity to world markets. Again, notice verse 9, a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and the third of the ships were destroyed. Uh, the outcome of this trumpet is, is the disruption of commerce on the ocean. Uh, this would have been significant uh, to Rome. But even in our own time, we see an example of something very much like this. As a result of COVID-19, the, the global cruise industry came to a complete standstill in 2020. In 2020. USA Today reported from mid-March through the end of 2020, it is estimated that the suspension of cruising in the U.S. will result in a loss of more than $32 billion in economic activity and more than 254,000 American jobs. So there is also uh, an economic effect to this second trumpet. Uh, and, and God sounds this warning so that unbelievers will turn to Christ because of the increasing instability and insecurity in the world around us. And we hear the third trumpet. The third trumpet brings increasing bitterness. And here God calls the world to turn from their sin through the bitter effects of sin. Now, the bitter effects of suffering and the bitter effects of judgment. Look at verse 10 with me. And let's read through verse 11. The third angel blew his trumpet. And a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch. And it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became wormwood, and many people died from the water because it had been made bitter. It sounds at first glance like a mediator, a mediator, meteor uh, hitting the planet. 
It, it also sounds like a massive industrial accident that affects the world's drinking water. This trumpet could refer to things like that that we hear repeatedly in the news. But again, we want to look to the Old Testament for help in understanding this third trumpet. And when we look at the Old Testament, we discover that this trumpet is probably not referring to something we've seen in the news. First of all, it's probably a reference to begin with to the fall of Satan. Uh, again, notice verse 10. The third angel blew his trumpet and a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch. Uh, the reference to a great star falling from heaven seems to describe how Satan fell from his position as one of God's angels. Uh, Consider this from Isaiah 14. You might be familiar with these verses. Isaiah 14, uh, verse 12. How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn. How you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low. You who set, you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. Above the stars of God, I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. And in this passage, we hear Israel taunting the king of Babylon at his downfall. But many have observed that this language seems to go far beyond the king of Babylon and describe something beyond him. Uh, scholars suggest that these words also seem to describe the fall of Satan from his exalted position as one of God's angels, uh, like a star falling from heaven. Revelation chapter 12 seems to describe this same thing. It's just over a page, and this is, this is yet another cycle in the book of Revelation, but if you flip to Revelation 12 and, and look at verse 7, and again the paragraph heading says, Satan thrown down to earth. Revelation 12, 7 says, Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon who was thrown down, that ancient serpent who was called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world, he was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. This too seems to, be, seems to be what we're reading about here in verse 10. The, Satan's expulsion from heaven as one of the Lord's angels. And then finally, this important reference from the lips of Jesus in Luke chapter 10, where Jesus tells his disciples, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. So while at first glance we look at verse 10 and we think of a meteor 
or an industrial accident, it is more likely because of uh, the imagery that John uses that he's describing the fall of Satan from his exalted position. I want you to see the effect that his fall has on the earth. And what we see from his fall is the bitterness of sin. Uh, again, verse 11, the name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood. And many people died from the water because it, it had been made bitter. According to the ESV Study Bible, Wormwood is a plant native to Europe, Asia, and Northern Africa with a bitter tasting and poisonous extract. And when, when, when wormwood is used throughout the Old Testament, it's used as a figure of speech. Uh, wormwood is used, and the bitterness of wormwood is used to describe the bitter effects of sin, the bitter effects of suffering, and the bitter effects of God's judgment. Consider these verses that uh, use wormwood. First from Jeremiah chapter 9, uh, the Lord uses wormwood to describe the bitterness of defeat and exile that Israel was about to experience. It says, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, behold, I will feed them, this people, with wormwood. Of course, God's not going to literally grind up wormwood and put it in their drinking supply. They're going to experience the bitterness of, of being exiled to Babylon. God uses wormwood to describe the, the bitter side effect of sexual immorality. And we hear this in the book of Proverbs. Uh, it says, For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil, but in the end she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Uh, the bitterness that comes with adultery in sexual immorality, the sting it brings. Uh, it's bitter as wormwood. And then to Jeremiah again, describing uh, the bitterness of his suffering, mentions it in the book of Lamentations. It says, uh, He has filled me with bitterness. He has sated me or made me drink wormwood, uh, sated me with wormwood. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. So what we're reading is that God in his mercy, yes, God in his mercy, allows unbelievers to experience the bitter effects of sin in their lives. They experience the truth of this verse from Proverbs uh, 14, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. He allows unbelievers to experience the bitter effects of, of living in a broken world. God in his mercy al allows unbelievers to experience the bitterness and the emptiness of what the world offers. And he uses this bitterness to draw them to his Son and to trust in His Son's payment for sin on the cross. Increasing bitterness 
is the effect of the third trumpet uh, caused by Satan ejected from his exalted position and cast down on the earth. It results in not just something in our drinking water, but the bitter effect of sin. Well, one more trumpet this morning. Uh, fourthly, the fourth trumpet sounds. And in the sounding of the fourth trumpet, uh, it brings increasing darkness. Increasing darkness. Uh, God's judgment on unbelievers dims natural and spiritual light. Uh, first, it seems to affect natural light. Uh, in verse 12, it says, The fourth angel blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of their light might be darkened, and a third of the day might be kept from shining, and likewise a third of the night. Again, this is very similar to one of the plagues that the Lord sent on Egypt in Exodus chapter 10 this time. Uh, this is uh, uh, the ninth plague. So Moses stretched out his hand uh, toward heaven and there was pitch darkness in all the land of Egypt three days for three uh, of Egypt three days they did not see one another nor did anyone rise from his place for three days but all the people of Israel had light where they lived the difference of course being that the darkness in e Egypt was total but this is only a third again a third uh, because God in his mercy restrains his judgment so so natural light could be affected by this fourth trumpet. It certainly seems that that's the case. But I want to quickly add that this also likely refers to spiritual light as well. And the reason I suggest this is that throughout both Testaments, darkness is frequently used as a figure of speech to describe spiritual darkness. Uh, just a few examples. Uh, the prophet Isaiah, in this verse we love to read around Christmas, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness on them has light shone. And then uh, Isaiah, again, speaking to Israel's Messiah, Messiah uh, the Lord God says to the Messiah, I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, uh, those who sit in darkness. And then, of course, Jesus' words. Uh, in John 12, he says, I've come uh, into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. And then Paul says this, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. And of course, we could put up many examples of a very common figure of speech uh, where darkness refers to spiritual darkness. And because the next trumpet, we will see a horde of demons released upon the world. It is likely that spiritual darkness is is certainly a significant part of this trumpet as well. And so the, the, the effect of, of Satan, the prince of darkness, being cast down to the earth was not only the, the increasing bitterness in the lives of believers that we saw in the last trumpet, 
What we saw in the third trumpet, the effect of Satan being cast down to the earth was also increasing darkness over his domain, the world of unbelievers. Increasing darkness. God's judgment on unbelievers dims natural and spiritual light. Well, just as Winston Churchill pleaded with the nations of Europe before World War II, stop it, stop it, stop it. Now is the appointed time. So God is pleading with the world of the lost through these seven trumpets. Stop. My son is returning to judge the living and the dead. Turn from your sin. Put your faith in his sacrifice on the cross. Rely on him as the payment for your sin. Our, our goal this morning has been to hear the trumpet sounded and understand the nature of God's repeated warnings. What do these first four trumpets contain? And we've seen these four things. The first one brings increasing famine. The second brings increasing upheaval. The third brings increasing bitterness. And the fourth brings increasing darkness. In 1969, in, in past Christian Mississippi, a group of people were preparing to have a hurricane party in the face of a storm named Camille. They were, were they ignorant of the dangers? Could they have been overconfident? Did they let their egos and pride influence their decision? We'll never know. What we do know is that the wind was howling outside the posh Richelieu apartments when police chief Jerry Peralta pulled up sometime after dark. Facing the beach less than 250 feet from the surface, the apartments were directly in the line of danger. A man with a drink in his hand came out to the second floor balcony and waved. Peralta yelled up, you all need to clear out of here as quickly as you can. The, the storm's getting worse. But as others joined the man on the balcony, they just laughed at Peralta's order to leave. This is my land, one of them yelled back. If you want me off, you'll have to arrest me. Peralta didn't arrest anyone. He wasn't able to persuade them to leave either. He wrote down the names of the next of kin of the 20 or so people who gathered there to party through the storm. They laughed as he took their names. They'd been warned, but they had no intention of leaving. It was 10.15 p.m. when the front wall of the storm came ashore. Scientists clocked Camille's wind speed at more than 205 miles per hour, the strongest on record at that time. Raindrops hit with the force of bullets, and waves off the Gulf Coast crested between 22 and 28 feet high. News reports later showed that the worst damage came at the little settlement of motels, bars, and gambling houses known as Pass Christian, where some 20 people were killed at a hurricane party in the Richelieu Apartments. Nothing was left of that three-story structure but the foundation. The only survivor was a five-year-old boy found clinging to a mattress 
the following day. A great storm is coming. The day of the Lord is approaching. And we already see the warning signs. These first four trumpets are the winds and the storm clouds in advance of the storm. And the only shelter from the storm that's coming is Jesus Christ. Have you run to Him for shelter? Have you trusted in Him as your Savior and Lord? If you're not sure, myself, any one of the elders, deacons would love to help you understand what it means to become a follower of Christ. Those of you that already know Christ, do you see the storm clouds? Do you hear these first four trumpets already sounding in the world? Do you see their effects already taking place? We've been singing about uh, their effects for months now. Do you feel the world is broken? We do. Do you feel the shadows deepen? We do. But do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? We do. Do you wish that you could see it all made new? We indeed do. Father, by your gracious Spirit, may those here in the room today who have not sought shelter in your Son from the storm that's coming do so today. There is still time. There is still time to turn from sin and trust in Jesus in His payment for sin on the cross. Lord, those of us who know Your Son, let us look at the world with understanding, recognizing that what we see has been sent by You, has been sent by Christ, the ruler of the universe. And this is what Your Word describes all around us. Christ Jesus, help us to warn others, our friends and our family members, those in our world who don't see the storm coming. Savior, do this in and through us. We pray in your name. Amen.